Ladies and gentlemen, we're back with Real Deal Talk, and we got my guy today. I've been waiting for this one. Carlos Gutierrez. How was that pronunciation? Great. You've been talking about it for a while, so <laughs> you nailed it. You've been practicing. <laughs> Carlos is a real estate mogul in San Diego. Not only San Diego, but he is wor- he's in the country top was it two or like in the top like first number one number two number three somewhere in there yeah, last year number one and number now, one yeah, in number, all number f- of exp realty correct yes correct yeah, yeah. did you guys hear that num this is the guy right here in the podcast room real deal talk we got him before we get into this because carlos is going to be flowing because i know everybody these days is really curious about real estate am i right very much so everybody's at what do you think what about this what about that what about interest rates what do we do do we invest now all this guys we're going to get into all that today but you guys know how we're going to we're going to dig into his backstory a little bit but first i'm going to give a quick word from our sponsor and that sponsor is also this guy and my wife and i and our family business real deal sleep Real Deal Sleep, ladies and gentlemen, is paying the bills. So if you're a fan of Real Deal Talk, I need you to support the cause here, all right? Come buy a mattress. Go to the website, realdealsleep.com. You can purchase uh, accessories, sheets, pillows, name it on there. But if you need a mattress, Real Deal Sleep is your place. Uh, If you know anybody, refer us. And guys, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening, for tuning in, for watching. The feedback that I've been getting from this podcast is beyond anything that I could have even imagined. It's so positive. Everybody loves it. It's making an impact, making a difference. It, it, Carlos, you have a sleep system from us. How's that thing treating you? I was going to say, I mean, you you don't have to ask them to just support you, but if they want better sleep yes. and they want to like go wow and not leave on vacation because the beds suck everywhere else and they'll come back home and go oh my goodness my wife does it all the time we travel she comes like oh i love my bed yeah i go i know and then we think of you and we thank you oh isn't that nice so carlos got one of my latex dual sleep systems zero gravity massage features lumbar he went all out of course we got three of them you got three of them a triple sleep system he got one of our it's actually the first triple sleep system i've ever designed for anybody so ladies and gentlemen real deal sleep Follow us, come down, support the because listen, they're paying the bills. This has the, the podcast has no budget yet. All right, I'm just pouring out passion here. So help me help a brother out. All right. All right. Anyway. All right, Carlos, back to you. All right, you ready? Let's go. Let's do it. Okay, so Carlos, let's start by kind of digging a little bit to your backstory here. Um I it, what's I, I've known you for we're going on ten years now, right? Ish say that if not longer, hardcore fitness. Yeah, hardcore fitness. That's right. Another shout out for hardcore. Yeah. I think we met in fourteen. I don't remember because exactly, they opened but. in thirteen, and we met right after they opened. I think right in four, so we're on, I think we're going on nine years ish. Well, and it could be I met you down in PB. You were bouncing as well, weren't you? Oh well, oh, we yeah, yeah we yeah, did. It's back in the day. Come on now, <laughs> we actually made know each other. Yeah, I'm sure we did. We crossed paths about mm-hmm. twenty five to thirty years ago. That's right. I forgot about oh, that. Yeah, because we're similar age. Where do you where are you? I'm fifty three. Fifty three. Yeah, we're right there. Yeah. I'm fifty one. You're talking about a couple old dogs on the on the show today. I I don't know who you're talking about. That's not me, dude. <laughs> a, a, technically age wise, but feeling and and uh, shape wise, yeah, I think we're doing all right. Amen. Amen. All right, so here we go, Carlos. Where and, and what I was getting at was, even though I've known you this long, mm-hmm. I don't know much about you other than that you're a freaking maniac. Uh, his uh, his Instagram is Carlos Nonstop. I don't can't think of a better name for this man than Carlos Nonstop because the guy doesn't stop. He's got podcasts. He's got a, a show that he does. He's always firing away. And I've never in my life met someone who who wants to help others more and wants to connect people more and wants to add value more to other people's lives than Carlos Gutierrez. Thank you. You're one of the most um, 
giving and genuinely great guys that I've ever met in my life. So as I said earlier, I've been looking forward to this interview. I can't wait to break this down. I can't wait to get our listeners and viewers some pearls about real estate. But again, let's go back now. And I want to find out where I want to find out where this guy came from. Yeah. So where were you actually born and raised? Not too far from here, Lakeside, California. Really? Yep. Oh, Just wow. out to 52. Uh, 52 definitely was not there when I was born. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, uh, my dad moved out there in 69. Wow. He was a police officer and uh, he was in the Navy before Korean War. And then he was in Albany, uh, Oakland, California is where he was born and raised. And yeah. then that's how he got down here. Uh, and then he was a police officer from 56 to 83. Uh, obviously I was born in 69, yep. my brother in 71, and then my sister in 73. So we have three, wow. two, you know, three of us. Yep. And uh, he was a hard worker and, you know, acre of land. And he always wanted to have, you know, some room and kind of a farm. So I was raised with horses and cows and chickens and pigs and dogs and goats and cutting firewood and having a little garden. And, uh, yeah. And then he had rental properties as well is how I kind of got into no it. Way. But we were, we were young. We were like, we didn't really have any weekends free unless we were playing sports, Yeah, but we had to work. We had to mow the lawn. We had, uh, I mean, taking care of Obviously, the animals was my job, okay. and uh, but it taught me a lot. You know, it was amazing. And wow, that's why I kind of moved from there. I didn't want to do that anymore. <laughs> I moved to the beach, and, but and that was like when I turned twenty-five. Yeah, I would have no idea that yeah. you were a farm guy. Yeah, I oh, mean, yeah. technically, oh, yeah. right? I like said, dude, I listen to Come country on. all the time, and no, it's, it that it is beautiful out there. And and you go back out there now, and you go like, wow, this is I had that opportunity to be raised there. Wow, and then that's what I'm trying to do with my daughter. But my wife is like. I'm not going there. You're, you're trying. It's trying, a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, you're down, you're down on Mission Beach. Mission Beach. Killer yeah. spot, dude. You, you redid that place. It is phenomenal. I mean. That was always a dream, you know. Yeah. And um, you have to have your dream board and your goals. And that was my goal to always have a house at the beach and have a really nice car and a beautiful wife and, yeah. you know, all that life. And But you have to be grateful for it. Yeah. You can't take it for granted. That's a right. lot of people do. And they that's do. where they kind of lose it. Yeah, and we're going to get into that today, too. Yeah. I want to talk about gratitude a lot because I know oh, yeah. you're one of those that preaches gratitude and you're always just so grateful for everything and always, you know, you reach out now and again, tell people, hey, I'm thinking about you, thinking about you, anything I can do for you, let me know. Oh, yeah. So, uh, okay, so you were born in Lakeside. I had mm -hmm. no idea. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about childhood. Do your parents, did they stay together? Were they? Yeah, they were together. Yeah, tell, tell me about childhood. Uh, you know, my dad didn't have a dad uh, after five. Mm. Left him. Born in the Great Depression. Yep. Sister just was born, so he always had to work hard, and uh, he worked his ass off. And yep. when I was born, you know, he taught me hard work, and uh, so we were raised out in Lakeside, and we got to live the life. You know, I mean, we worked, but we had a good life. We didn't have it. You know, he was barely, you know, making probably thirty grand a year, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and. Um, being a police officer, I was around a lot of cops, firemen. Oh, he was. Yeah, my dad was a cop. Oh, he so, was. Yeah, he was a cop. San Diego PD. Oh. So fifty six to eighty three, and um, that's why he kind of wanted to be out there in the in the country. Mm. So uh, he um, had a lot of friends, a lot of lawyer friends, a lot of cop. Like yeah. I said, so I was raised amongst that at the uh, San Diego Rowing Club, which is you know what's been around since nineteen eighty eight. It's where NASCO is, mm -hmm. and the convention center now. Yeah, in uh, amazing time being born and raised and being able to be brought up by all the old school San Diegans that made San Diego what it is now. Wow! So your dad was SDPD. Mm -hmm. 
I did not know that either. Yeah. So what I know? I didn't know if I would be a cop or not. So it was kind of, uh, you know, but I was straight and narrow. You know, yeah. grades were you know, probably C's. Nevertheless, uh, you know, my mom was at home. She, you know, stayed with home home with us. We had everything, every sport, you know, diving lessons, swimming lessons, you know. And then I got into football and wrestling in high school. Yeah. Uh, but then my senior year, I then dove and swam. So okay. it was a passion. It was amazing. So I met so many great people. They're still lifelong friends now just from that. So, how, how did you get into like? How did you go from football to swimming and diving? Well, see, I was raised swimming. So, you were, yeah. Six years old, I did the rough water ah. swim. So that was, you know, we had a swim club right down the street, two miles, you know, down the road, and so that's where we spent our summers. And that's why, because now I remember being at the gym and you'd roll up on your bike. Oh yeah, your, your street bike, your mm -hmm. your road what, bike. What do we call it? road yeah. bike? Um, so you, cause you, you're into biking a lot. I was, I was, and it yeah. was through challenge athletes that got me the bike and then really getting into it and then carrying along with Bill Walton and then team chase, which a good friend of mine, uh, well, good friend of ours, you know, I was introduced to Bill from, him. uh, they had a son that, um, had a, uh, you know, a disease basically. I think I want to see it was spina bifida. Yeah. Nevertheless, uh, he was, his name was chase and he just started declining. Well, his dad was a big cyclist and always wanted to ride with him. Well, yeah. that family got to meet Bill and Lori through their service dogs. Mm. So next thing you know, we then pushed this other guy that was a Marine, Lance Weir, amazing guy, friend of mine, and he uh, broke his neck, C5. Oh, wow. Jumping out of a, you know, a canoe or something in the river, you know, threw his hat in there and then jumped in and broke it. So we got to push Lance down the coast of California from San, or from San Francisco to San Diego. And then, you know, we had this big team that would push Lance and I would be taking pictures and videos and making sure, you know, that we got, you know, they all got to see what it was about yeah. and promoting it. And it turned into a huge thing. So getting back to it, Bill then got me a bike, a beautiful Holland. I mean, yeah. gorgeous carbon fiber, you know, so I really got into it more. And right. it was really through that that got me into biking. Wow. And so when you were, when you were young in your household, you said dad was a cop. Uh, mom uh, was stayed at home with you mm -hmm. guys. Now, do you remember anything early on, like the relationship with your parents that that made an impact on how you saw the way that they interacted? Like, how did it mold you as a kid? Like, because you're, you're such a solid, well-rounded guy. Mm -hmm. Like, how did that happen? Obviously, it always comes from programming. Most of it comes from your programming in childhood. Uh, completely. So, tell me about the parents. Like, what? So you can see that, and you can really get like, hey. They follow the path of yeah. the, you know, if it's bad, they're going to follow it down that road or they're going to see it and they're going to go like, that's not for me. I'm going to make a change. Right, right, right. So my dad was amazing. Um, he was hardcore. I mean, he didn't have a dad, so he did the best he could. Um, he could be a dick sometimes, you know, big <laughs> yeah. time, but he was, he was truthful. You know, he'd tell you the truth and, you know, he liked to drink a lot and, yep. you know, but he would work and he'd work out and then, you know, have some drinks after, um, and he would come home and be verbally abusive to my mom mm. and then me when we were a little bit older. Yeah. I saw that and I go, why? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm doing the best I can. So he's like, What are you gonna do with your life? What are you gonna make of yourself? Et cetera, et cetera. I wasn't a great student. Yeah. So um, okay, well I thought about it and I didn't really know. Maybe I'm gonna be a teacher and a coach. So I was just kinda like going, eh, maybe not when I got into college and then I go, Maybe be a fireman. I didn't want to be a cop because right. you got a target target on your back, but yeah. I'd see those guys and I definitely commend them, the men and women that serve in oh, yeah. blue and wear the badge. I respect them, we support them in many different ways as well. Um and then I just kinda found my way into selling, you know, airtime and then yeah. got into real estate. But going back to the 
time with mom and dad, you know, the household was great. We all got along. Um, you know, he would raise his voice, you know, a yeah. lot and he would threaten to hit us at times, you know, and they need it. You know, people need that. Kids yeah. need that more yeah. than ever now. Yeah. And they didn't have that. And, Discipline. Uh, yeah. They don't have it as much. A lot and, of it. And you said that you saw some stuff that you were like, Ooh, I, I'm, I'm not like, what's that all about? I don't want this. Yeah. Yelling and putting people down and yeah. belittling them and yeah. things like that. And the things you say. So I, you know, Sometimes I catch myself of like, oh, my wife like leaves stuff all over the house and this and that. And my daughter just leaves, you know, all her yeah. toys. I just, just let it go. Yeah. It's, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Dude. Exactly. And some people never have that coaching and training. So when I got into real estate, um, I found a coach and then really a, a more of a mentor in regards to spirituality, as well as gratitude, believing affirmations and going down that path, we broke it down. We did weekend retreats and that what you just said, yeah. the most formative years are one to seven, and that is going to lead the rest of your life pretty much right. if you don't break it. If you don't break yeah. it, yeah, exactly. And then sometimes you might have to go to landmark the forum, yep, and that's where you really think about all the baggage, yeah, that you've been carrying around for so long, yeah. And, and that bad. was one of the things how I, you know, why I married my wife, I had to break the baggage and not worry about her baggage and not worry about my baggage, let it go, yeah. And, and so your mom, did she did they stay together then your whole childhood? Oh yeah, yeah. No, my mom sucked it up big time. She did. Mm -hmm. Your mom. Talk to me about your mom. She got married at twenty eight. Okay. And I believe she was the first one to get married. And nevertheless, my dad swooped her off her feet. Yeah. And you know, they're Mexican and yeah. all Spanish speaking. Yeah. And uh, his grandmother or her grandmother or her mother, my grandmother allowed it. And, um, you know, she, they moved to the country. And then they were living, you know, right off the 805 before the 805 was there yeah. uh, in Mount Hope. And they moved out to the country. So she thought, oh, what are you doing? You're taking me away. You know, they're like, and they only had one car. So it wasn't like she can get in the car and go anywhere. Yeah. So she put up with a lot. You know, yeah. A lot of the verbal abuse, never, you know, never, ever physical. He yeah. loved her very much, yeah. very much. And my dad passed in 2020 in August oh. from dementia at 89. Wow. So he lived a great life. So I had, you know, for me, 51 great years with him. Yeah. And the decline, it was pretty quick. Nevertheless, um, I, I love him very much. And uh, I made him proud. And that was one of the things we always want to do is please our parents. Yep. And uh, there was a time and point that, uh, you know, he, he, he really felt that, you know, I, I'd made it and he was wow. very proud. So that was the best part. But, um, uh, my mom, she's still alive and she's yep. with us and we try to take her wherever she wants to go and do great things and hit the bucket list and spend time with her grandkids and family. Cause my wife's family is a very large Mexican family yep. as well. Yeah. And it's all about family. That's of course. It. Yeah. So we're very blessed to have my mom and dad and they, she stuck it out though. She could have left many a times and I don't know why she didn't, but she loved us and she loved him. And, and now, so, and you were saying that they Spanish speaking only that was back when, you know, they got married. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, that's the race riots and things like that were in the sixties yeah. and we're going into the seventies. So they moved out there and they want us to be more, you know, Americanized, et cetera. But I still got, you know, hazed as being a Mexican, et cetera. You really did. from, from my name. I mean, I really don't look at. Right, you don't ask. Yeah, you got your blood. So there's a lot of people. You go to Mexico City, you just go, "Wow, you're Mexican." <laughs> yeah, and and now um, I had a, I had a thought there, but uh, so then um, what was I going to say? Anyway, so getting out of there. So in in like grade school and everything, middle school. Do you remember anything that happened that kind of like was impactful with you? A coach, 
teacher, anybody during school and the younger years that made an impact on you? Yeah, you know, there was several teachers and coaches that did from uh, junior high. And I would say my dad was a coach. You know, I played handball since I was 11 years old. Oh, really? Up to about 37. Yeah. So I played competitively. That's you like did. racquetball. Yeah. Racquetball, little small ball, four yeah. walls or three walls. Um, so my dad was definitely a coach. And then I got to learn from a lot of his friends that were great handball players. That was my dad's passion was handball. No and it would always go back to handball. Very competitive, one-on-one. It's freaking, you know, you, you get thrown in the pit basically and you got another opponent and a small ball and, you know, you got to win that was it and it's very physical game very he loved that was his passion he would physical all, game? always talk about it yeah really? well i mean if you ever watch racquetball eh, you got a racket but go imagine with your hands yeah because even racquetball is challenging yeah but you got a racket to, to a degree yeah so i can't imagine but you got a racket so yeah. use your hands and then you know your balance and hand-eye coordination and then just you know knowing where you are in the court and understanding how the ball moves and the hops on it and the things you could do with the ball. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. So what did that teach you? Like the handball, t- talking about- Well, a lot of, of discipline, basically, and it didn't matter how strong you were. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. It really mattered your finesse and then your speed and quickness and your agility more than anything, because mm-hmm. you got to go up, down, up, jump, side to side, off the back wall, you know, just kind of know where you are. And you really get a sense for awareness big time yeah. peripheral where's your opponent you know you're gonna hit it in the corner yeah. right you're gonna a lot of wrap it around yeah wrap it yeah. around the walls ceiling and so uh that was an amazing sport wow so and i played that in college that was my college sport as well what mm-hmm. oh yeah they have collegiate uh, where, where and now i don't want to skip ahead too fast i wanted i want to ask a, your mom along the way what kind of influence was she on you? Like, do you remember like- Just what, loving. She loving. was loving. She was sweet. Was uh, everything just turn it into a positive? Tell me about mom. Like, what did she, what was the main thing you got from your mom in your life? So what I got from my mom was love and I would say compassion or she really cared for us. I yeah. mean, she made sure that we had the best within the means that she had, um, that we, you know, played sports, that we, she's mom's taxi would take us all over the place. Yeah. I mean, we we're very active. And um, she did the best we could, you know, always had dinner for us. Uh, We didn't really grow up sitting at a table unless it was Sunday uh, or a holiday. So, you know, we kind of all ate together. That was the thing, even though, you know, watching TV or whatever it is. So uh, it was active at at home. My brother and sister, very active. And they're both badasses in their way as well. And so we got along really well. It was good. And did they play handball as well? Uh, My brother did. My sister, and. She went to one of the clinics, but yeah, she was a great soccer player, cross country uh, mm. diver. She wow. she dove in college as well. Um, yeah, amazing. And then my brother was a good football player. Uh, but my mom made sure that you know she was always there. She was there for our games. She was there for our practices. She was there for everything. My dad did the best he could yeah. to make it, but you know he was working. He was working a couple of jobs. He was a cop and then a detective, and then he taught uh, at Miramar. He taught the academy. Um, then wow. he taught uh, you know drunk driving courses as well. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, he was very involved, very involved. And then he was the uh, liaison to Mexico as well for that police department from San Diego. So he'd bring them, you know, uh, uniforms that were, you know, that they share with uh, the cops down there. Or then uh, he would teach uh, shooting as well. And then tell me about uh, um, mom with what, how important is it and, and talk about your mom but also in general how important it is for parents to watch you play sports well, to go there yeah it's very important you, you know, know what I'm saying? you've got your support group and they love you 
and they want to see you do the best. That's why, you know, got hitting coaches, you know, got to hitting coach for Tony Gwynn when I was raised, you know, playing baseball and uh, a lot of great people in my life. And I, I get a chance to see them still, you know, the Aldridge's, uh, my junior high coach, I still see one of them. Um, Mr. Rickards was another one there that were great and always supportive. Yeah. And then high school, you know, I still talk to a lot of my high school coaches as well. Wow. And still see a lot of friends that I grew up, you know, learning handball from as well from the club. So, and they're all older now. However, you know, I respect them, appreciate them because they all had a little piece page in each chapter of my life and so many great, great people in San Diego. So, and Tony Gwynn, do you know Tony Gwynn Jr. by any chance? Uh, I don't really know him that well. No. Yeah. I coach his, I coach his son in football, which I can't, I guess I'm pinching myself. I can't believe it. Yeah. It's just bizarre. It goes around. It's amazing. It's really amazing. Timing. Um, okay, so you take me to high school. What was the high school? Do you remember any changes or when you went? When did you were you always confident, or did confidence come at a certain point? And what what built your confidence? What if you can remember back? Was there a moment that flipped the switch for Carlos, and you all of a sudden became this confident guy? Like you always confident? Uh, I think we always question ourselves at times. Yeah, you know, and then you have to have a little bit of you know. Um, that support as well, people that believe in you yeah. probably more than you believe in yourself. Yep. That's what my coach says now. Uh, nevertheless, you just got to believe in yourself more than anything and yeah. get up and do the best. But if you don't get out and take shots or take swings or, you know, take chances, then you're never going to live life. Yeah. So that's what we're talking about, you know, yep. early when you were opening up. Yeah. It's called living life. So Carlos nonstop, yeah, well, I got to take a break. I'd like to chill out. You know, I'd like to rest. Nevertheless, you have to be able to take the chances and the shots and be confident in that, that you will win because if you believe it, you can achieve it. And so this, this right here, cause you had said you, and we're going to get into it cause I want to, I want to flow into when you got this mentor, but it, do you remember like a moment where you started, you gained confidence in yourself and who you were, where you were going? Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, I would say was high school. On? Yeah, it was high, high school? school. Yeah, it was high school. You know, and what I, was it in high I, school to I, get it? I got brought up as a freshman to play uh, wide receiver. Mm. As a freshman, you know, yeah. in varsity. So, um, you know, I took my licks there. I got brought up, and those guys definitely hazed me for sure. You know, they made sure that I was feeling it when I was, you know, going to rece- catch a ball, you oh, know, yeah. as a wide receiver. Uh, but they all they all took care of me as well. You know, I was a freshman. That didn't happen since 1968. Wow. So I was a freshman. And I never played football before. I would you attest. You just started in high school. I just started high school. So I would... Uh, Say handball definitely helped that for sure. Yeah, yeah. I was never really fast. I was quick. You were quick. Yeah, big time. And running good routes is everything. That's Having it. Quick feet and catching the ball and catching the ball. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you have glue hands, you, they'll 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 figure out a way to get you out there. Yeah. So I went to El Capitan out in Lakeside. Yeah. So eighty five to eighty eight, and uh, it was a great time. Definitely. And, and so you're saying that that when they recruited you from there to the to the varsity is mm-hmm. you like ooh. Like you gain confidence right there. I did. Yeah, you can't get cocky definitely with those guys because right. they've yeah, been playing oh, yeah, for a while. Yeah, oh, yeah. Big yeah. time. Yeah. But I would say it added a lot more confidence by far. And then so now this is uh and now um now get go through to so how did that go? Like did you start? Did you play your whole you said you didn't play the whole your whole high school career, right? Uh I played varsity football all four years. You did, okay. Yep. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. I played baseball three of the years and I uh wrestled four of the years. So I was uh, number one in San Diego uh, going into Masters, which is, you know, as in wrestling, that's, you know, the championships of San Diego. Yeah. and blew out my ankle. No way. First round. And so in I didn't re- go to While state. you were wrestling? Yeah. So I didn't, 
you know, I didn't make it to state. The year before I did, I made it to state. But um, it was a great – wrestling is an amazing sport as well. Yeah. And if you have young kids, I highly recommend definitely getting them into wrestling. Yeah, wrestling – I, I wrestled for a couple years. That was it. And I'm telling you right now, I think personally the most grueling sport of all, wrestling. I never – it was the most grueling for me like because you're constantly using every muscle in your body, right? How did it, how did it, how did you, you and you got to cut weight and yeah, you, you know, that's a big one. And you know, it's, that's all leverage right there. It's all knowing your body, knowing yeah. leverage, knowing the moves, um, and knowing your opponent. Yeah. yeah. The wrestling is a really good sport for who you are, growth, humiliation, strength, conditioning. Yeah. And there's so many things that discipline, go into wrestling. Oh, I mean, huge. every respect. Yeah. Just because to go through the practices and to stay consistent with it was brutal, brutal. All right, so go now. Go to, go to. Because were you going to get a ride in what, some sport for college? Was it handball? Not handball. Yeah, but there's no rides. There's no. <laughs> yeah, there's no rides in handball. <laughs> All right. All right. So now get to college. What happened in college? And where'd you go? I went to Crossmont. Yep. And then uh, was I thought I was going to be a teacher. You know, I thought I was going to be a coach. Well, that's really? kind of what they said via my testing in regards to, uh, you know, uh, the um, the advisors. So I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I like, you know, I, I, I like school in that way, you know, it, but it wasn't for me. No. Yeah. And I go, well, maybe I'll be a fireman. So I, you know, did a year uh, at school just going through the regular courses. It wasn't for me. I, I didn't like it. So, for school, for for firemen. No, before that. So oh, for teaching. Just, just going to yeah, yeah, just your general ed. And was that was dad pushing the, in that direction? Like yeah, yeah, do that. Oh no, he wanted me to go to college. Definitely. Yeah, he wanted like to go to every college. parent wants everybody yeah. to go to college. Yeah, which especially back in the day. Yeah, and now it's I think it's woke. Oh, sense. Yeah, so. yeah, no doubt about it. So nevertheless, I then went to uh, Miramar, and then I did my two years there, and then I got a, a internship at um, Coronado for five hundred hours as being an intern. Mm. 24 hour shifts. It was very boring over there, definitely. Because it's firemen, you yeah. unfortunately want uh, things to happen. So, yeah. Uh, but it just was boring. I wasn't into it. I, yeah. I didn't, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was boring. Yeah. It, there was no real action and uh, really great people. Uh, and I'm sure they get great benefits, uh, but I wanted more action. So I then uh, had the opportunity right about that time uh, for the, uh, job of Monty Montezuma. Okay, who's Monty Montezuma? Monty Montezuma is the mascot for San Diego State okay. from 1944 to 2000. And I played the role from... All right, so tell me how this happened. Like, what, what do you mean a job interview? Or, 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 or the, it came available. What does that mean? So one of the guys I met in diving, we were at CIF, and he and his brother were amazing divers. They you know, grew up in gymnastics, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, we met at that event in our senior year. So we made friends and then his brother went to USC, Tommy, and then Mike stayed in San Diego. Well, over the summer, I'd left with my girlfriend up to Idaho to go work and just be away from the family. And uh, next thing you know, my dad called me with, hey, I got a job, juvenile hall. You're gonna go juvenile hall, you're gonna work as a teacher's aide because I'm you know, gonna be a, be a, I wanted to get into education. so. Uh, I did that, and then I got Mike a job there as well. So we stayed really good friends. Yeah. Well, 
Fast forward maybe about six months to a year, uh, his mom calls me and going, hey, I've got an opportunity. San Diego State needs a new mascot. I think you would be perfect for it. Now, I wasn't going to state. I was going still, you know, Grossmont College. And um, I go, well, what is that? You know, and she told me just a little bit about it. And I'm like, oh, okay. So we told my friend who was the principal there at the school. And he's going, oh, that's, you know, that's gay. This, that, and the other. And I go, hey, I don't know. I've never seen it. I'm not sure. I'm going to go check it out. You know, you, you can't pass up an opportunity. Yeah. So, so I went and uh, met them. And one of the two people were like, big guy, also Reggie, who played football at San Diego State. Yeah. Monty, what's up? You're the man. You know, I showed up with a flat top, you know, a little bit of, you know, what do they call that in the yeah. back? Oh, the mullet. Uh, yeah. A little bit of a yeah, yeah, little yeah. one going on. And, uh, you know, jeans and cowboy boots and a tank top. And they're like, you are perfect. So I'm like, okay, what do they I have said to that do? To you? Oh, yeah. And I had no idea. I'm like, what do I have to do? Well, we have this uniform. And it was really very hokey, the one that they had. And uh, I was like, okay. And then what do I have to do? You got to come out. You get to bring a flaming spear out of the tunnel. I'm like, okay, that sounds cool. And then, you know, do a dance and then uh, throw it into the uh, field. And then get your team riled up and then go up into the stands. I'm like, okay, for four hours. Okay. So, um, then I got a couple friends of mine that I went to high school with and one was an artist. So we started coming up with face paint and made a shield. And then, so what did, did you take the job right oh, away? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Went and met well, how much was it? Was it $50 a game. <laughs> $50. And I got a game. like tickets to give my friends. But back then that was probably pretty good. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Definitely. It so so we'll pay time. 50 bucks a game and we'll give you tickets to the tickets to the That games. was it. Yep. Yeah, that was. It <laughs> you, was were like, you were like, I'm in. Uh, yeah. It was hilarious, dude. I got to bring my friends. Everybody had a great time. My did dad was very look, proud of Did you go look them up online to, to, to see what you were getting into? Or was there even internet? That's 1990. Then? I know. Yeah. Was there any internet then? 1990? I don't think so. <laughs> when did the internet come out, anyways? I don't even remember, dude. Does anybody know? Do you remember Spencer when the internet came out? 2000. It was right? in the 2000s. I think you're right because I remember yeah. at the tail end of my bar career. I remember somebody had like, and I remember that the, it was AOL and you know how like, when it came up on like, remember that dial up? Oh, yeah. So I then <laughs> took that position and then made a new uniform the next year and then got really passionate in it though. Then I went you to, did. I went to uh, Tijuana. They had a, place called Mexitlan, which is right across the border. It was a cultural center. Yeah. They would have, you know, flor florico dancers. They'd had then Aztec dancers. They took it from the beginning of, you know, the heritage through Mexico through the years and uh, took my friends down and my girlfriend at the time. And we went down and met the main guy for the Aztec dancing and um, spoke to him and asked him if he would teach me and then make me a uniform. Because I really wanted a really authentic uniform. Yeah. I wanted to be authentic. Yeah. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this right. So, you know, he gave me a conch shell. I had to go to L.A. several times to get different types of materials uh, because he made a beautiful uniform. And uh, I had to raise money to pay for it. I was still doing my teacher's. I you know. Then I did teacher. I was a teacher's aide also. Yeah. So I was still in teaching. I taught at Monta Vista as well uh, after I left um, uh, Juvenile Hall to like 91, 92. And then I started... Uh, selling ad space on a poster. So I made a poster or a picture to make to raise money to pay for the uniform because San Diego State wasn't going to pay for it. No. They were tight. Wow. wow. They still are, but nevertheless, yeah. it, it yeah. is what it is. So, <laughs> uh, And yeah, they made the first uniform and people were blown away. And I introduced the conch shell as well. And people were like, oh my God. And whenever they wanted me to blow it, wherever you were, people knew they'd stand up, they'd rise up and they'd cheer. I had like 
lines of kids following me at the time and things like it was it was awesome it was awesome but wow. i wanted to teach them about what the you know what each design meant yeah. the chacha yotes that you wore around your ankles where they came from uh what the conch shell meant etc etc so it was it was pretty rad that's unbelievable dude yeah. I, I, now because he's literally famous yeah i mean amongst san diegans and around the country it was one of the most identified uh mascots in in history and collegiate sports <laughs> unbelievable well then it, it you know and then i did that from 1990 to 1998 wow on average it was 50 to probably 70 events a year so and they didn't pay much at all right. nevertheless um and i did that you know charities speaking at schools uh and you, you know, show positive, up in your uniform oh, I'd show up in uniform and you know stay in school uh you know be a good citizen uh do the best you can you know get good grades uh Appreciate your parents. You yeah. know, be thankful. Be grateful. Yeah. So I learned that pretty early on. You know. So tell me about what Monty Montezuma did for you as a man. Tell me. It seems like it's a monumental thing for you. Yeah, it was, and it humbled me definitely because you know people were just so happy and so grateful to see me there. Was it a football game, or was it a charity event, or was it you know a parade, or what it was? And uh, they knew Monty Montezuma. 1944 to 19 oh, to 2000 and, and then the president uh, Weber killed it in 2000 was it 2000 that is 2000 weren't they going to bring it back recently uh well I'll tell you more tell <laughs> so me. I played it till 1998 and then they had a new guy come in and then uh, did you leave voluntarily or? oh yeah no I can't I can't do this anymore geez eight years yeah yeah, so that's a long I was time. like, yeah, it was a long time. And, you know, it was extracurricular for me. Yeah. Uh, but I was very passionate. So if you're passionate about anything, like you are this podcast, that yeah. comes out and it exudes. Yeah. And people really love that. That's the most important part. And they they loved it because I played it hard. I went, I left nothing. You know, <laughs> I left it all in the field. Let's just say that. I had very little <laughs> left, very little voice. I was exhausted. Literally. I usually, I wore a pedometer. I'd probably run about six to seven miles in the in the stadium. So I always made it a challenge to see every single section. If you're oh. at Jack Murphy Stadium, you know, the view section, you got the load section, you got the, you know, all so the way down. you actually go around the stadium. Oh, yeah. And then I'd be up in, in the, the view section, and I knew that the, they were going to charge or charging down. I'd run down to get down to the end zone and, you know, cheer them on. And, yeah, we're going back with, like, Marshall Fogg, Oz Akeem, Darnay Scott, you know, Jesus. Wow. Uh, Santos was right before me, but uh, um, got all kinds. Marshall, yeah, great times. And how did this mold you? Like, did it do? Like, it must have been an incredible experience just to, to well, mold you as a person. You know, I still played handball, also, so it kept me in shape. Um, public relations, you know, I love people, but you know, communicating with people and kids as well. Yeah. So I have kids now that were like tiny then and like huge, and now I'm like, oh, I remember you as Monty. Oh my God, you're me. I got a picture of you holding, you know, things like that. So it's pretty cool to see, and uh, to give back to San Diego. Yeah. It, go ahead. No. So. I played that then in 2000, yeah. Dr. Weber killed the Aztec or Monty Montezuma. Okay. How was the next guy? Did he do okay? No. Yeah, no. He didn't, he, they didn't want me to teach him, San Diego State and athletics. They didn't want me to teach the guy. They didn't want me to communicate with him. They didn't why? want me to, well, because that's, they, that's the way they are. So they if want to If you no did part a great job, why wouldn't they have you teach him? I, they always wanted to get rid of it. Oh, they it did. Was political, bro. That's when wokeness was coming out back oh, then, get out before of here. it was woke. So, uh, and it always cost money, and it was a little time and energy from marketing department, uh, and it, they just didn't want to do the work. Wow. So I took a lot of that. So, you know, I, through the years, I, would, I wanted a new uniform. I went out and 
sold a poster. I sold like three different posters and just got my friends that were, you know, businesses from Bullies East yeah. to the Marriott downtown to this, to that, to that, and small businesses, Aztec shops. But it, that's how I learned sales. Wow. Really. So that one really helped me when I got into radio sales a couple of years later. So nevertheless, I played that role. And then 2000, I'll just fast forward, 2000, President kills, or kills uh, Monty Montezuma. And then um, a small group of people. And the internet was just coming out right about that time because yeah, they had right, chats, right. the Aztec. Forgot what it's called. It was some site, basically. Um, and there was a lot of people that were upset. So they wanted to start a new organization called the Aztec. They wanted to start something. Yeah. And then they found me and then said, hey, we, would, we want to hire you. Would you play the role? And I go, well, it can't be Monty Montezuma again. So they're saying, okay. So we had some meetings. I go, it's got to be the Aztec Warrior, Eagle Knight Warrior, and it's got to be the Aztec Warrior Foundation. Create a nonprofit. You can go out there. You can raise money, donations, new uniform. We are in support of San Diego State with this um, unofficial mascot but i will be at all the games i'll be at all the events i'll go to charity events i'll do the parades i'll do so that's when it really caught on and yeah. we got a ton of press ton of tv so when i came out with that aztec warrior foundation we came out secretly and tv stations were there and totally promoted it so we were in the face of san diego state there's nothing they could do we donated money back to the cheerleaders they gave it back because san diego state wouldn't let them do it we tried buying on the on the field pass that you could buy oh one of the coaches, Ed White, I think it was, uh, said, yep, you can. Nope. Then they poo-pooed that, gave it back. So we did everything we could. But there was a small group of alumni that were very, very passionate of San Diego State and football and basketball and everything you know that, yeah. that goes into it because that's our alma mater. So they gave everything they could. We raised money. We had shirts, sweatshirts, T-shirts. We went to every game. We had a truck that drove around with Aztec dancers and drummers and so we, we were very controversial at the time, and we won. 2004, you know, it went to vote, and uh, pretty unanimous, I think it was 92% of the students, Aztec Athletic Foundation, and uh, the alumni wanted it. So And, and so what happened? It kept so going? So then when it's 2004, the vote went out, so we had a new uniform made, and we had me play the role. So they voted on a new uniform, keep the human mascot, and have Carlos to play the role. So then I did. So I was like, wow, we made an impact then definitely for the last eight years that wow. I did it, you know, before. Yeah. So it came back again, unofficial. So we did 2002 to 2004 unofficial, then 2004 official. So you were, you were the warrior. Aztec warrior. In 02. Uh, unofficial. Unofficial. Yep. And then we got it then to vote through all those, you know, through the, through the college. Yeah. At 2000, end of 2003, like December or something. And they voted it all in. So I played the role. And became official. Official, 2004 to 2006. I retired. Yeah. And they still didn't want me to coach the new guys at all. So they didn't want me to have any. It, it's funny. Those guys are hilarious. Yeah. And so then, so how was the next guy after that? So we're talking 06 here? Yeah, 06. Uh, Miguel did well. Yeah, he did yeah. He did really well. And uh, you always, when you do something right, you know, yeah. and you know it, and always, you know, you have to be aware of your surroundings and there's kids like looking at you know, people are looking at you all over but you know you'll find those little ones you see it out of the corner of their eye you know the little guys are always so scared yeah. and how an impact that is when you go and then you get down a knee instead of kind of like hunching over but you get down a knee and you talk to them hey would you like to hold the conch show would you you know and then they 
it's it's amazing the power of just communication of you know getting down to their level in a sense and there was other things that yeah. he could have done that probably would have you know made me happier nevertheless he did a great job yeah and then it went on and on and on as of last year 2021 we're in the middle of covid the current president adela Della Torre, then on her website just killed the aztec warrior oh really been around since 2004 to 2021 and then she killed it so what did we do we came back again with the aztec warrior foundation not with the passion of the current you know there was four five really passionate people that were on the board and really did everything we could they're just burnt out now yeah there's san diego state is just gone and the you know san diego state doesn't want to do a lot and this and that so we'll see we're trying to fight it now (laughs) this is so funny man it's crazy dude uh so you actually never went to state yeah it's back in the day you never went to state i didn't go no and so where so did you get uh grossmont where else were you where did Uh, you finish up and then i did miramar and that was it that's it. Yep. So what did you, what, now, when did the teaching thing say, you know what, this isn't for me? 1994. And then what, how did you get into your next thing? So as Monty, then I had it, you know, had an agent. I was doing some acting and stuff like that in LA, uh, some modeling. And then they found <laughs> me, uh, Anheuser-Busch. They wanted, you know, they had the bud girls, so they wanted a bud stud. So they hired me, like, I think I was 21, 22. So did that. And then, um, um, then I did a, a World Cup '94, I think it was, down the world's largest viewing of the World Cup yeah. down at the convention center, and uh, we were doing it in conjunction with the Spanish radio station. And I knew the manager, and he came up to me and said, "Oh, how you doing? You know, I, I think you'd be perfect for radio. God, we'd love to have you come sell." And I'm like, well, "I have no idea." Okay, so I came my first interview uh, with the Spanish station, you know, in shorts and you know, briefcase and. Then I got the job. And that, what do you that mean was my sell? sales. What does that mean? Sell radio airtime. Oh, Spanish, radio airtime. Spanish language radio Are you airtime. bilingual then? I'm not fully bilingual, no. Yeah, I didn't think so. Okay, so you got into that. How did that go? Great. You know, we got the Padres, then we got three more stations uh, You know, on air. Yeah. We got three more stations, so I had a lot more to sell. Uh, nevertheless, Spanish language just wasn't like their like, contemporary, you know, English language at the time, but it was booming. You know, you got the world's largest border crossing. Yeah. You know, this is 1994. Um, people are seeing, you know, investing in the Spanish language was big. So uh, put big events together with SeaWorld and with Viejas, uh, Anheuser-Busch. Uh, and those connections that I had in San Diego through Monty Montezuma wow. definitely helped. No kidding. Oh, yeah. And so then how did that, where did that go? Like, when did you, because you said your dad got into investment was it real investment property yeah just little you know little units and things yeah. like that so and so then when after this after that uh period right there when did you start getting into real estate well, we bought our first place together in 98 and then who's uh, we you and my dad, dad I, yeah oh really dad I, but he he was a slumlord he was oh yeah he wouldn't fix the properties up oh, you no. know broken windows you know cockroaches blah 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 and it was just, we would always have to go paint or change the screens why do you have these properties pop these are shit uh, you know and it would you if you have it you can go in and fix it up and clean it up luckily i was you know 2013 i think i ended up buying my dad out of one four unit down there on g street and then we bought the other one i bought him out and then we bought he had another building and then we did a trade and you know we did some some more units that was it that was a great area it's yeah. still it's a booming area now yeah so that's what got you into okay so then you were 
dabbling in it then, yeah? Right, yeah, yeah. That I was selling radio. That was my main that job. That was your main yeah. thing, selling radio, doing a little bit of real estate with Pops on the side. When did that make the shift to going even more real estate? Uh, I just tried investing as much as I could. I just started learning from guys, Tom Sparrow. You know, Is that when you said you, got a, you said you got a mentor? So I got into selling real estate And how long have you been together with your wife? So which, so I got into real estate in 2005, yeah, and I've been together with my wife since 2010. Got it. Okay. So um, I did radio Spanish 94 to 97, then I went to J Corps, then Clear Channel, which is iHeartRadio now, right. 97 to 2004. And then I got fired. You and did? Then, yeah. There was you know a run in with the manager. You know he just didn't like me. So I'm like, okay, cool. You know? Too bad you didn't do it before because it's like 2000 going into 2005 and the market's already been going up. Yes. So nevertheless, um, I sold a condo with a girlfriend the year before and I met this agent. I really liked him. So uh, when I got fired from Clear Channel, then um, the old Spanish radio station was under new management. They were trying to get me to come back because they knew I sold a lot of NTR, non-traditional revenue, yeah. which basically doesn't take airtime. It's just concerts, events, websites, etc. So... I was going back to meet those guys, and next thing I know, it's like making me wait an hour for our third interview. I'm going, this is bullshit. Are you kidding me? You, do you know who I am? Yeah. You know, so <laughs> I called my buddy and basically said, hey, I want to come meet with you. I want to sell real estate. So I left, didn't even meet with the guy, and I rolled and met with him, started. I did take some time when I got fired. I took about 10 months off. Oh, wow. Yeah, but I was studying for my real estate license. Mm. So when I started, I had a break. You know, took my time. I traveled, went to Russia, Hawaii, all over the place, and uh, then I got in it and started cranking. You know, started with Prudential in Mission Valley, but I lived at the beach, so I wanted to always sell the beach. Mm. So my first deals were like, you know, one point two million, eight hundred thousand. I'm giving fifty percent to my buddy, and he was just helping me, you know, do the contracts and give me some opportunities with open houses. This is 0506. This is 0506. Because this is, this is when they were giving loans to people that could fog a mirror. Oh, God. Right? Yeah. You had a heartbeat, you had a loan for Correct. 20 bucks. Yeah. You could fog a mirror. You were getting a loan. So, I was one of them. Yeah, a lot of people were. Yeah. So next thing you know, um, I had an opportunity to go over to Remax in PB. So that's when I went to PB. It was right down the street. But I didn't take it seriously. I'd be surfing, you know, and, work maybe five hours, six hours, but really not working. You know, make yeah. a call, a couple calls, oh, let's go to lunch. So when the market took a crash, that's yeah. when I then uh, went to a seminar via Kathy. Um, Kathy, she gave me uh, this uh, flyer going, you should go to this event, Mike Ferry in Vegas. So 08, 09 08, is it's 08, and tanked. you should go to this, it's summer 08. And, uh, I remember specifically that was when Bernie How did Madoff, your investment properties do at this point? Uh, they were taking a shit. Yeah. Like everything. Yeah. So we had an Aplex in Vegas. We had a high, three high rises in Vegas. We had, you know, I had a bunch more. Um, nevertheless, I go, okay. So I went out and saw him with my partner at the time. And we showed up in t shirts, board shirt, board shorts, and, you know, backwards hat and some flip flops. So we're like, why are these people in suits? Yeah, yeah, come on, why? You know, we go to lunch, we're at the pool, and I'm like, well, I think we're not in the right place. So next thing you know, that was August. So uh, November, he came, Mike Ferry came to San Diego, just like 100 people maybe. And I was in my suit, which I normally wore, but I'm wearing a suit up front, I met some great people, changed my life. 
Mike Ferry changed my life because he was like a coach. He reminded me of my dad a little bit, but he was, you know, he was firm, hard work, do your work, plan it, and then leave. You know, start. When time are you starting? What time are you leaving? Yeah. So, but do the work. And now Mike Ferry, he was just big in real estate. That's all. He was a coach. Yeah. Real estate coach. So real estate coach. He's been in like 46 years now. Wow. Yeah. And this woman told you to go, I think you should go to this. Yep. And she sold a lot. So, and she lived in Mission Beach as well. So, uh, Kathy Evans, that was her name. Kathy Evans. Yeah. She goes, you need to go. You need to go see him. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then I just drank the Kool-Aid. So right when I joined, then in January, they have a, um, a uh, one-on-one retreat in San Diego, and then I went and joined NLP via his son Matthew Ferry, and that's what really changed my life, mm. because that was like hardcore breakdown. Wheels are falling off. Two thousand nine, the market took a big shit. You're going, oh my god, you know, on yeah. the verge of bankruptcy. I'm hearing all my friends, you know, yeah. claiming bankruptcy and stuff like that, and uh, I basically said, I got to do whatever I can to make it. I'm not going to file bankruptcy. I'm not going to lose everything I have. I only like maybe 15 grand in the bank, luckily. Wow. And then just worked my ass off. Was it? Now, what year was that? that, that 2009. 2009. Okay. So I did one year of NLP, which basically breaks it down, neuro-linguistic programming. You know, mm. Tony Robbins is a big one. Ah, on okay. And then uh, Matthew is really about spirituality also. And, you know, what's inside you, what you believe, you know, um, if you can manifest it, you know, believe it, you can achieve it. So, you know, that's one of the guys that also went to the seminar where, you know, one to seven, that's your most formative years. And what do you remember early on about your parents? What they said, was it good? Was it bad? What was it? So basically I was just doing an LP. Completely. Yeah. Well, that's more about spirituality. That's what I do. Yeah. So, um, he was amazing. Matthew Ferry is amazing. And, and uh, so NLP, talk to me, go a little further with this. I've never heard of this. So neuro linguistic programming, yeah. and you can go on YouTube and just, you know, go, I would go Tony Robbins cause he's one of the best of it, but it's speech patterns. It's how you say it. Um, they have all different types of speech patterns. Also military, you know, uh, tie downs, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but it was more than that though. Also you had to have 10 accountabilities for the month. You had to read a book. Uh, you know, you had to prospect, you know, you had to, you had to do five things that they were wanted you to do, do your sentences every day. You had to write out sentences every day. And then, uh, like four other things, book this, that, and the other. And then you got to do five things. Like I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to work out every day. I'm going to take my wife on a date. So you had to have accountabilities and did you do them all? And you got ranked and then we competed against the other teams that he was coaching. So, and whoever won then got to spend a weekend with Matthew, which was pretty awesome. And this, this is as you're doing real estate. Yep. So, you know, I was all no in. No kidding. And I was in, I moved to La Jolla because I go, if I'm in La Jolla, I know I can go anywhere in San Diego and sell and people will respect that. So next thing you know, I basically worked my ass off. Then I moved from, I joined a little brokerage for like three weeks and then they folded. And then I said, hey, Reba, Real Estate Brokerage Association in La Jolla, they basically have a meeting every Wednesday. I go, hey, I'm a free agent. I had like nine, nine appointments, interviews that week. So I went to Prudential, spent four years there. And I told her when I began, I want to be a number one agent in La Jolla. Took me four years to do that. Yeah. So as an individual agent, not a big team. And then I left there and went to Coldwell Banker, did the same thing, four years. And then I went to Sotheby's and now I'm an EXP. Now you're EXP. Yeah. 
No Which kidding. Is more, it, and that's an entrepreneurial company. It basically. is. It's like yeah. 80,000 agents, but it's, you know, it's like a multi-level marketing It's company. multi-level. It's yeah. network marketing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fascinating and brilliant. Very. And most of the biggest, the biggest heavy hitters that I actually know in real estate in San Diego are in it. Daniel Beer, right? Yep. Um, Kyle Whistle, Pete Middleton. Pete Middleton. Yeah. yeah Carlos Gutierrez. You know, Carlos so. Gutierrez. Gutierrez. They all have teams and they recruit because it's a multi-level marketing. So basically you... Could be an agent, but you could recruit other agents, et cetera, yeah. I love that. I prefer to sell. I, I like doing the selling. Yeah, I know you do. Um, okay, so so talk to me, because this is 09, and I picked up on the fact you said you met your wife in 10. Right. Or did you meet her in 10? Did you meet no, her I early? met her in 10. Okay, so how did that go? So we met at a fundraiser, and I uh, got her number, and then, you know, that was like in July. Now, would you attribute the personal development that you had started to go through with Ferry, where you started working on things, to all of a sudden you met your beautiful wife? I wouldn't say that had anything to do. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's um, curious. Curious. We met at a we met at a fund we met at a fundraiser and then I got her contact information and then she went into my database. She oh. got an email for a fundraiser I was hosting with yeah. Bill Walton and Marshall Falk and all these guys uh, for uh, Challenge Athletes Foundation, Tony Roma. So she brought her sister twin identical and then what? that's when i was like oh my god she was beautiful my other buddy wanted to date her and we did yoga every day my buddy justin and he goes oh she's beautiful and i go no i'm i'm going after that one definitely so yeah so i called her and then you know it took a while so she's a twin sister identical get out of here yeah. and her sister is amazing her where, whole family's awesome. where, where does her sister live uh bay park <laughs> no way i didn't know this yeah. oh my gosh i'm so hold on she went in your database and then I always sent emails out to invite everybody yeah, to yeah. come, you know, to my fundraiser. And so she so went to the fundraiser. Brought her sister. And that's when you're like, whoa. Yeah. Um, she was beautiful, but her personality is just amazing. Yeah, she's sweet. Amazing. She's amazing. 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 So what was the next move? What did you say? Hey. Uh, we went out let's on take date. you from the database we, to we, my we, cell phone. Yeah. we. Our first date was like 10 hours. So we went to the polo field. I was playing polo at the time. Polo? Yeah, played uh, arena polo for like three years. No way. So we went out on a Sunday to the polo matches, and then we went uh, down to a fundraiser for the Emilio Nerds Foundation. All my friends are there, you know, and then we went uh, to one of the person's house. You know, it was about 10 hours. It was amazing. She was, I go, definitely fell in love. Okay, so hold on. How did you know to pick which one to pick since they were identical? Oh, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, but did you interact with the other one too? Uh, a little bit, yeah. But, okay, I mean, like, I, okay. I really, I didn't because pay much looks, attention. They, I didn't pay much attention at that event. Yeah, but after, uh, okay, because yeah. they both looked the same. But then, how did you know whose personality you liked better? Yeah, I'm uh, fascinated by well, this. Well, Jen was already married, so her sister. Oh, was married, okay, so that yeah, helps yeah, definitely. Yeah, so <laughs> otherwise, like, who knows? Well, you could, but you know, maybe I didn't know. I don't know. So, but she's awesome. Oh, that's amazing. What a, what a story that is. I love this. Yeah. All right. So so now, okay, you meet her. Now, what was she? Because she's in real estate with you. She does a little bit of like the she's loan a side. Yeah, she's a lender broker. Was she in real estate then? She was. She, she was. was a lender, yeah. She'd been a lender ah, for probably 20-some years. Yeah. Got it. She's okay. amazing. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Okay, so then you, you th that went great. So then when did, you, when did things, your real estate career just start going? Because you said four years, four years. Or like, which one was your best place what was your favorite place give me when you started hitting your kind of your 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 wheelhouse or your your stride well i would say covid really yeah no kidding reason is because it took away all the distractions 
Ah. So I get to focus on the client. Mike Ferry was just, you know, we have, we have a lot involved with coaching, basically. You know, you have a call every week with your coach, and then we uh, have opportunities to be a part of different groups. Mondays with Mike. It's one, so we have a call at 7 a.m. This is still going on. Oh, yeah, definitely. And there's probably a couple hundred people on it, at least. Wow. And then, you know, he talks about real estate and what we should be doing, what's going on in the market, you know, stories to give us kind of ideas on what we should be doing. And, you know, he was he had amazing mentors as well. So, like, Earl Nightingale and, you know, Mike Vance and uh, Gunther Kloss and all these guys. So, he talks about those guys. And they were at the very beginning of personal development. Wow. And, um so yeah, Mike said, you need to call your database. People want to talk to you. They want to talk about something else. They may want to move. They might want bigger. They want want smaller, but you know, everything and your home in 2020 turned into being your office, your yeah. school, oh, yeah. your playground, your da-da. So a lot of people were moving and we were af- afraid in a minute, but we, when then we realized about COVID, what, like how deadly it was not. Right. And how kind of they were inflating everything. We just hustled. I call my database all the time. I did videos um, and a lot of referrals. So it was a great year. So I broke my goal. I wanted to make a million dollars. It took me till COVID to do that. In a year, in a yep. single year. Yep. That was On- 2020. And then 2021, I hit barely almost 2 million. And that's in gross commission sales. But with EXP, you're 100% yes. after 80,000 GCI, which is $16,000 that the company will take out. And then after that, then you go to 100%. Yeah. Then you can invest in the company 5% per deal. And then you give like a transaction fee of like $250 or something like that. So, right. but you have to pay for your marketing, your advertising, you know, I have two assistants. So, you know, those things add up. But the, but the concept is, is phenomenal. Yeah. So, oh, what, so what got you to, what got you to EXP? So it's been around a while. Right. And I knew about it, but I thought it was more team oriented. You have to have a team, et cetera, et cetera. I'm yeah. an individual agent. So when the world shut down, of course, all offices shut down. They cut the marketing budget. You know, they were giving us, you know, a little bit of a, uh, incentive to be at the company for marketing, advertising. Uh, they shut it all down. I'm like, oh, what am I getting here? Come on now. Uh, it, nobody needs a brand to be able to sell real estate yeah. because you are the brand. That's right. And that's where you have to believe that you're the best agent to help a person buy or sell, get the most amount of money for a sale and or purchase, then they are going to, you know, get the best deal, the best terms, et cetera, et cetera. In a deal, people both have to feel like they won. Yeah. And that is your job. So I called Pete Middleton immediately. Pete, I want to talk to you more about it. Cause he's been talking to me for a while. Right. Great friend, you know, yeah. great guy. And um he came over and my wife said, before he even came over, she goes, We're gonna do, you know, we are you're going to do it. So I'm like, I'm down. So, cause I already had my coach. I already knew what I was yeah. doing. I already had my marketing, et cetera. So, um, yeah. So and was, how long ago did you join the XP? Uh, it was May of 2020. 20, no kidding. So I broke out of my split wow. split in five weeks. So that means I went to hundred percent for about 11 months. So did probably think over a million dollars in probably 36, 37, 30, 30, 30, I don't know, somewhere in there. And then uh, last year I did about 50 deals and almost hit two. So, yeah. Wow. Unbelievable. All right. So talk to me. These were golden years right here for real estate. All my real estate buddies at one, whatever level they're at, it's all relative, right? They all, they all basically had the best year that they've ever had. Right. Talk to me about what's happening now. This is what everybody wants to know about. Like what everybody's like, what do we do? Interest rates are up. Do we, do we hold off? Do we buy? Talk to me about what's going on. So I'll just leave it with this. 
Would you rather fire away? Yeah. If you're going to buy a million dollar home, would you rather? Well, and it's going to be a million, but in six, seven months ago, it's probably going to go a hundred, two hundred thousand over. Right. Even though the interest rates are maybe two and a half, three, three and a half, something like that. Yeah. Would you rather pay one point two for a million dollar home at three and a half percent, or would you rather pay a million or maybe nine fifty at six percent? I'd rather pay the six percent because you're going to get the property. You can always refinance. Those yeah. rates are not going to stay. They're already in the fives now. And they have buy-downs now that the seller can contribute a credit. So if I give you full price, you're going to give a credit to buy the rate down. 2-1, so 2% the first year, and then 1% the second year that your rate will go down. Mm. And if the rates go below that, then you could probably refinance that and get a better deal. Buy the real estate now. If you like it, buy it. I'm looking again. I'm looking more units. That's all I want. I like Golden Hills, Sherman Heights, that whole area, 92102. That's... That area oh. is amazing. So talk to me about what, like, give me the whole, because I, I, I'm i looking at this thing and almost getting annoyed at how high prices got. Like with properties oh, yeah. that were like a million dollars a year ago that are now over two. But are they selling? Well, the ones that when they were selling before the interest rates started going up. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like when prices were so ridiculously inflated, like fast. Oh, yeah. So tell me how that all happened. And like, tell me about the, I want people to learn here the process of what's happening with the Fed, why they're raising interest rates. Get the, Let's get down for the layman here. Well, you know what there I mean? was you so much I mean? free money out there. They gave so much COVID money, et cetera. You didn't even have to work. So people had a lot of you know, money. They weren't spending money on anything. So that's real estate became very, very valuable because there's not enough of it. We're still like five, six million homes short in America right now. Five to six million homes short. San Diego, you're not going to be building much more either. That's why they're trying to do all the infill. Uh, but regarding inflation, they have to raise the interest rates to kind of slow it down a little bit and to get us out of it. So I thought they'd go to the nines and tens, but I haven't seen that yet. So we're in, we're in recession. So with that, that means they have, usually have to raise the rates. But they've been printing so much money. It's insane. Yeah. So, you know. Uh, interest rates are in the five sixes. Who knows where they're going to go? My wife says they're going to go down lower in probably January, February. That's now, what her gurus are saying right now. Her gurus are saying. Yeah. But if you like the house, buy it. Because are you going to wait for the rates to go up or the prices to go up? The now, rates to go down but, or, you know. Now, my question is, like, why did the, and obviously it's, all, it's always about demand. Why did the prices go that high that fast? Well, because there was a shortage of inventory and there was a lot of money out there and interest rates were almost like free. That's free money. You're borrowing money almost for free. Yeah. So that's a big one right there. So that means your affordability can go up. But when the interest rates are higher, then you're going to pay a higher rate. And so that means your monthly payment, because that's all people are buying is the rate, is the price that they're paying per month. That's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's all. You're paying, you're, you know, would, would you rather rent or would you rather buy? And what's that difference? Well, then buy. You know, because you can still buy a home, you know, 3% down. And then, so now, so, but but I've heard that the Fed is going to raise them again. Well, that's what they say, but, you know, who knows? That's what they said. We don't have a crystal ball, yeah. And the next so. one's what? Isn't it coming soon in December? Like, uh, Yeah, it's supposed to be. Right? Yeah. I, like I middle, the, middle of December? I believe. I don't remember the date. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. Though. From what I'm remembering off the top yeah. of my head, I think it was like mid-December. Okay. All right. So keep going with the real estate, man. Talk to me about like, if you're, you're saying that right now, even though the interest rates are higher, prices are already coming down. Yeah. 
Oh, prices have come down, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, how much have they come down? Like, what's uh, happening? What are you seeing? It depends where, you know. I mean, like, La Jolla went up 40% over the last two years in median sales price. I'm talking recently, like yeah. the last, let's talk the last six months. Last six months? Yeah, we're probably down 10, 15%, maybe. Okay, so, so, they're, so they're coming down 10 to 15, roughly, in the last six months, then. Probably. No matter where it is. Yeah. Some, some places more? Probably, yeah. It's hard to say exactly. You know, are you doing single family homes? You're doing yeah, multiple yeah, units. Yeah. What what is it really? But I'm I'm a buyer right now. Definitely, I, I suggest get out there if you've got your money, go out and buy because it's over time. You got to look at the long game. Yeah, that's a, it. You're okay. not unless you're going to be a flipper. Yeah, that's the tough market to be a flipper right now. Definitely. And by long game, explain what that means. You no, know, three, five, ten. I mean, I'm longer than that. Definitely, yeah. but ten, seven. You know, seven, ten, fifteen years. Buy it and hold it. Take as much depreciation as you can, and then 1031 that into another property, bigger, whatever. So I'm always looking for the ugly dog, basically, property with units on it. Or now they're allowing ADUs and junior ADUs. Those are accessory dwelling units that you can put on the property. So that just increases the value, and you're just looking at these people will be paying my mortgage how much rent will they be paying? And rents are up now. I rents mean, the, are high. Yeah, the, the local stat basically is coming out. I think it was last week. It said that San Diego will get higher rent per over L.A. in San Francisco, probably within the next six months. Wow. Yeah. People want to move here. People want to live here. I mean, look. Because San know. Fran's absurd. Oh, I, I haven't even been. I don't, I'd be pissed if I went there. In L.A., too, same thing. Really high. Yeah. What about New York, though? Isn't New York crazy? It's a shit show. Right? Yeah. Like, I remember watching Million Dollar Listing New York, and people are paying th- two oh, or three yeah, million insane. dollars for an apartment. Well, that... For an know, apartment. Yeah. Oh, well, that's all they have there. That's like a thousand square feet. That's all they have there. What's, what, yeah, if, you're gonna live in, if you're going to live in New York, you know, that's all the opportunity you have. They don't have a lot of single-family homes in the city. It's crazy. Yeah. But it just comes lifestyle. It comes who's living there. I mean, you have a lot of international money, you know, in New York as well. Now, so talking about international money, who's coming in? You know, I heard like all these guys from China are coming in with cash and buying up properties. And Yeah, not as much right now, but no. they are still coming. People from all over are coming to buy in San Diego and America as well. Wow. Yeah. There's a lot of money out there. Big right, so, so talk to me. You said something about um, buying now, uh, renting it out. Right. Yep. And then you said doing it. To, to, what's the 1031? I've, 1031 I, exchange basically allows you. I know you, what it is, but when you explain it yeah. to the. It allows you to tax um, uh, number in your tax returns, basically, that can allow you to own a rental property and investment property for two years. And then you can then 1031 that tax free when you sell the property. So you don't have to pay capital gains. Right. The gain will move with that investment. And then you have to have an accountant to break it down. You know, how much money did you put in the property, fix it up, depreciate, et cetera, et cetera. So when you ever do sell that property and cash out, that they're going to try and reclaim all of that capital gain that you did not pay from the times that you 1031 it. So the plan. So to say that last part again. You said they're going to get to the point where at the end they're going to try to. If you do sell and cash out, that okay. they're going to try and recapture the tax yes. for the capital gain. And you have to talk to an accountant. I, of course. I don't know that yeah. stuff. But nevertheless, you're going to try and capture that. So the plan would be buy, fix up, uh, rent it out, pull your initial investment back out, go buy another one, do the same thing, fix it and up. So you have to it. rent it for a minimum of two years. Two years, yeah. And then you can pull that equity out. Right. And put that equity on another property. Yep. You could do that. Yep. 
and then or you could sell the property 1031 it and go buy another one that may be bigger oh, okay or, yeah okay there's a lot of opportunities there so the equity Ohio. so it, no, that's if you sell the property after two years right then that profit you put on another home right Is that right yep because you, you have all that profit over but you're tax free but you're saying by the time you get to the end of this train if you ever do sell if you ever do sell and not cash out yeah and not put it forward something else right okay so let's break this down further if you're doing that then okay you sell this one you took the profit out of this one right we put that profit on this property here boom no capital gains taxes 1031 exchange right right okay boom we do it again we sell this one but we got two years two years two years right right so at what so unless you're making a passive income on the rent itself along the way mm -hmm. When will that, how do you, when, what is, how is that a benefit if eventually you're gonna have to pay the taxes on it? That's if you ever do sell the property and cash out. So the plan is not to cash out, keep moving it. Okay. Keep working. Okay. Depreciate investment. Oh, uh, okay. Just, that's the long game. Because the depreciation, you're getting a lot of write-offs there. Completely. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of different opportunities. And I always say, talk to your accountant. Yeah, of course. Give me a call, I'll refer you to my people. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and then buy more. Because the depreciation, people don't realize how big of a, because uh, I, I do it with, with my business. Oh, yeah. You know, depreci yeah, depreciate, and you can depreciate like further out. I mean, obviously, this is a CPA conversation. Where, oh, yeah. You, know, you, you know, should have a CPA and a lawyer on here, too. Definitely. 100%. An accountant, and then get your financial advisor in as well. Because if you're W 2, then it, you know, makes it a little bit tougher for yeah. you to write off more of your income that you're making. So I'm 1099. So, you know, I can have an LLC here, an LP here, and then write it off, cost segregation. Just, you know, my wife handles all that. But I know a little bit. I just know make the money, yeah. invest the money. Keep it keep it coming in. Yep. And then, you know, rent the property to really great people. You're providing a service. You're providing homes, houses, apartment units, whatever, for people to live in that are clean, safe. And, and so, so, Carlos, for what you do and you you – because you represent the – Buyers, right? Either. Either. Buyers or sellers okay. in my professional real estate uh, profession, yeah. And then talk to me about somebody listening, watching right now about how easy is it to get into a home? Uh, would it be like a, 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 a you know duplex, whatever? How much percent down? And obviously we can't quote here, but we're All just, right. and say, hey, yeah, do this. Rent it out. Here's how you find the renter. Give me that scenario. We just talked about it briefly. So. Break it down further. If you have a job, great. Make sure you have good credit. Yep. Okay. And if you have any questions, reach out. We know how to help people with credit and increase their credit score. Got That's it. That's a big one right there. Big one. Have a little bit of savings. You can also get gift money as the down payment mm. to buy the property okay. as well. What does that mean? So that means that somebody could gift you money for the down payment. What wow. percentage? If you're a first time home buyer, you can get a home for three and a half percent up to a certain level. I think they just changed the number as well. I don't know if it's over 700 grand now, I think. You could buy a home up to that. If you have a little bit of money down, you know, was it 3%, 5%, 10%, 20%? Norm is 20% to buy a home, but they have different programs. So nevertheless, you're gonna make sure you have good credit score, make sure you have a job, uh, make sure that, you know, you're paying your bills. Um, credit companies don't like it when you skip paying bills or late. Yeah. So make sure that you do that. And then if you need help from mom or dad or a friend, they can gift you the money for the down payment. All right, so talk to me about that. What does that mean? Say, okay. You're getting qualified, right? So does the gift go directly to me and then I give it to the down payment yes. or is the yeah. gift gonna go directly to the- It goes into your account, the wire to your account. 
Okay. Yeah. And and you disclose this to Yep. You write a letter, basically, hey, they've got give and your lender will handle all of that. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, here you go. They do everything. And then, you know, it's gift from this person, ba da 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 because they, they do serious checks now on your banking. You know, where did this come from? Oh, cash came in, but uh, they don't want two thousand eight, nine to happen again. Right, because yeah. back then it was really oh, shady. Dude, shady. Totally. Well, when you're shady. calling your your lender's calling the appraiser going, Hey uh, Joe, I need this property coming at a million fifty and it's only worth like eight hundred. I mean, that's what happened. So now, you know, lenders now have a third party company that they have to email the appraisal to to get their property appraised and then they send their person out and then there's really very little communication with the lender at all. Okay, so so and now the gift thing. What uh, like why is that all? Is that all of a sudden a thing? Has it always been a thing? They've. I think they allowed the higher level of gifting now. And I believe that all the like, entire down payment could come. But isn't an annual gift like the max is like sixty thousand or something or sixty five? I'm not sure exactly in regards to just a gift, but to buy real estate, I know that they've allowed a higher level of uh, the gift. Really? Yeah, I've talked to my wife on that one. You're getting out of my realm. I, I know, anything but- lending, I. I know, but, but you know more than the layman. Yeah. Well, I don't know that one. So. <laughs> Jeanette, get my phone. Where's Take Jeanette? Her yeah. Call her well, up. She's amazing, though. Put I mean, her on there. She is amazing. We wouldn't own all the stuff we own if it wasn't for her. No kidding. Yeah. So, what a t- so talk to me about that. Give me the team environment that you and your wife have. Well, she tells me what to do. <laughs> Doesn't yours? <laughs> you, pretty much. Yeah. Directly, indirectly. Yeah. Uh, she makes it seem like I'm in charge. Yeah. Um, which is great. Uh, but at the end of the day, I don't do anything or make any decisions unless I know that she's happy with those decisions, right? But Rachel's very, very good at making me feel like I'm I'm pretty much in charge. Yeah, right. It's good. Happy right. wife, happy life. That's yeah. What but it if is. I do anything, like she just gives me that look or the you know the 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 the, the type of comment that I know that I'm off track. Yeah. And then I'm not going to make that decision like that. Right. It's usually it. So, you know, I have to have those conversations. Like I want to build another unit on one of our properties and she's going, I don't know if it's going to make sense, you know, blah, 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 blah. gives me the numbers. I'm going, honey, look at the comps right now compared to what it's going to be, you know, a year, two years, the location, everything. So, you know, she, you have to have, yeah, you just have good conversation. You got to have open conversations with your wives or your partner, whoever that is. But how, how was that? How, but obviously this partnership with you and your wife in real estate has worked well. Very well. Yeah. We help a lot of people. She is the real deal. She is sweet. She's genuine. She is smart. She's creative. Uh, she helps. She, she's passionate of yeah. helping people. She does some for some families that, that she knows her story. And she's like, she, she sometimes will do it like make no money on it. Because she really wants to help them get a house. This is their first house, what they've come from, where they, you know, she would deals with a lot of uh, national, foreign nationals. Really? Yeah. How does that happen? Uh, she just gets a lot of referrals from Turkey, a lot of uh, Iraqis, uh, a lot of Mexicans. She does a lot of business in LA as well. And people now, that have shitty credit or no credit, you know, she's able to work it out. So, so if people that are listening right now watching for, give me, Give me your, where do you and she, her, stand out as if somebody's coming to you, what are they going to get? Like your team, you and your wife. Because listen, real quick, EXP doesn't do loans. No. Right? No. So that's a totally separate thing with her. Completely. She's not with EXP. Nope. Correct. Okay, because I looked into this. So talk to me about if somebody's coming to you guys, 
get, what, what are they going to get? Like, how do you stand? You're number one agent in the country for EXP. Number one. So uh, I'm not number one right now, nevertheless. I'm number one in California, but number five in okay. uh, the country right Got now. Got it. Okay. So, yeah. You're slipping. Yeah. Well, it happens. Guys are crushing it big time. So. Yeah. Um, you're not slipping, but. Customer service is number one. <laughs> okay. Honesty, integrity. That's what they're going to get. Yeah. And someone that's going to out hustle and outwork my competition to get them the most amount of money if they're going to sell. And then if they're going to buy the most, you know, thorough negotiation possible for them when they're going to buy in the best terms. So the honesty thing is the biggest part, though. What? Because is that kind of a, a tough, uh, very rare thing in this industry? Uh, it's, real estate agents do not have a good um, rap sheet right now. A good so, track record. I, yeah, I, 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 yeah, it's a lot of people aren't happy. Definitely, they don't give the best customer service. You and try why to call this? a lot of agents and yeah because they're independent contractors they work for themselves mm. they get to make the calls they don't have a boss telling them what they have to, to do. be completely self-motivated oh, completely yeah they don't have somebody telling you hey you need to get on the phone by eight o'clock and you need to prospect for three to four hours a day they don't have anybody doing that and a lot of them do want to be told they don't want to be told and that's one of mike ferry's funniest things he always talked because you're an independent contractor you don't have to do anything you know, you show up when you want to. Oh, show up. Oh, let's go get a coffee. Okay, girl, it's lunch. Let's go get lunch. Oh, look at that. It's three o'clock. We got to leave now, you know. And so, and, and keep going with this. Now, um, like, because you got to think about it. Self-motivated people, I think it's only, it's like less than 50% of the pop. It's like, I think it's like 30 or 40% of the population is self-motivated or maybe even less. I, not even, I'd say way less. Way less. Way less. Because so think about that. So then everybody in real estate I'm trying to remember because I remember the pyramid. There was at the top was motivators. You had a motivator, you had a uh, self-motivated, then motivatable. So it's, that's right. Sixty percent of the population is motivatable. That's what it was. And then you had the bottom twenty was like unmotivatable. Said so unmotivated, motivated. So the self-motivators were like in, in like less than I think ten percent or something. It's it's a ninety-five-five now. I think so. Oh really? You know, I would say so. Definitely. So think about that in yeah. your industry. Ninety-five percent of the people aren't doing it. They, they aren't. No. They're not doing especially it the right in way. this market. They're leaving too. A lot of them are leaving. Tell me about what's happening right now because what's going to happen again, which happened in 08, 09, yep. is it? It is it? It it leaned out the pack. Yep. Right. Because what happens? Because frankly, it's not that difficult to get a real estate license. Not at all. You could get probably about three months, four months. It's not Take that hard. So yeah. therefore, the. You know, again, going back, you don't have to be that qualified, but the ones that like you, Carlos nonstop, that are doing three to four hours of calls a day, you guys are going to, the, the cream's going to rise to the top. Always. Right? Yep. It's called consistency. Con there you a go. lot of people talk about don't consistency. Do that. Well, go you know, that. You go to the gym, you know, you've yeah. got your routine, et cetera, yep. et cetera. Shoot podcast. Yeah. You have to, you have to set a schedule and you have to work the schedule. That's the most important part in anything. Anything. You know, that's, you know, you have to have the schedule. What do you do? It gets a little repetitious. Nevertheless, that's where you break it up a little bit. But, you know, that's called living life. You know, if you want to be successful, mastery is 10,000 hours. So keep doing it. Keep going. 10,000 hours is mastery. There's a lot of business to be done every day. Find a good coach. Find someone that you believe in. Somebody that's going to not motivate you because motivation is kind of, eh, no, inspire you maybe. Yes. Invigorate you. Teach you what to do, how to do it, and mimic that. Find those people that you aspire to be like, you know, and give them a call, connect with them. That's what I do. You know, we role play, we have mastermind groups, uh, accountability groups, you know, I'm, I'm accountability partner to three other people right now. 
where they send me one thousand three one thousand dollar checks they told me what they want to do if they don't text me by a certain time then i get to go cash that oh wow yeah and their business is only going up big time because of that yeah wow okay, we know so what we need to do you just got to do it you just got to do it yeah. so so um talk to me about the weeding of the pack right now it's happening again in real estate right? oh yeah definitely well when the market shifts like this yeah. you know they don't have their friend or their mom or their dad that wants or their brother or sister that wants to sell a home and you know make a commission i mean what's 40 50 grand that's not that much sorry you it's know not. yeah and then you got to pay taxes on it yeah and then you got to you know pay all the other crap no it's, it's nuts yeah Nothing. so if you're doing that a month eh, it's still not bad but you know you, you got to get up in the hundred to one hundred fifty, two hundred thousand dollars a month. Yeah, to, that's to when take, you're making some money because in California, what do taxes like? I think I'm at forty six percent or something. It's yeah, nuts. It's insane. So that's why you need to have really good um, uh, tax attorney, uh, financial yeah. advisor, um, CPA. You know, and then you know, make sure that you cover your ass. You know, we're talking to my insurance guy now of like. When you do have assets, you know, what you should be doing, you know, how, what level should you be going? Do you have life insurance? Do you have trust set up? That's a big one. I just big. got a call from a good friend of mine, her ex-husband had a house, you know, and, but he didn't put it in trust because it was too much money. $1,500 to create a trust. Yeah. Come on. People don't think about that. So plan it out. If you don't plan, then you're planning to fail. Yeah. And, uh, and so, and it's funny because it, and I love seeing this happen is, is because when it starts to become work, like you actually have to work at oh, it, yeah. then they're running for the hills. Oh yeah, right. So then, totally. So then the animals are left to like you and a, a other some other guy, Evan Tando, uh, another one is just doing phenomenal. Um, you know, are just crushing it. Pete Middleton, right? Yeah. And so and so keep going with the the if somebody's watching like 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 if let's say they want to get into real estate. And they want to get the real estate license. What, what's your What's your advice to people right now? I would ask thinking them, about it. I would ask them, why do you want to get your real estate license? Like, oh, I want to make money. Well, you do. Do you want to work? <laughs> Are you willing to work eight hours a day? Tell, 10 tell hours people a day? right now what it requires to become successful in real. Like, really, actually, become successful to where you're making. Let's call it like you said before, real money. Real money, like you're 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 doing, you know making quarter million a year like like an actual making a quarter like so you gotta make it, about what's it take? 500 grand a year then so uh, you have to i would get a coach get your license but get a coach first and get a coach, coach first you. they would coach you through what you need to do so you start learning create a schedule create a database um you know uh, those are probably the key things right there and learn the scripts learn what you need to say and how to say it so like nlp but then you go to you know that's a big one right there but you need to learn those speech patterns you need to learn how to communicate with people you're dealing with their single largest asset so yeah. do you own your own home whoever that person is that yeah. want to get that, that wants to get into real estate do yeah. you no you don't well you may want to do that first because you want to sell their 1. million or 1.1 1.52 million dollar home or five hundred thousand. why should they trust you right that's it. Yeah. Why? Unless you're like a good friend. Oh, I just want to help them out. You want to help them out, or do you want to net the most amount of money? That's why you should use me, sir, because I'm a professional. Like my track record definitely will back that as well. So you should take a look at that. That's what's going to happen to you if you want to get into this business, Mister. Per you know, whoever yeah. that is. Yeah. And because um, people are going to, they want somebody that's credible. Then. Yeah. Well, and you're dealing with. Why their, am I going to you? Your single largest asset. It's probably ninety eight percent. 
of America. You're dealing with their single largest asset and all the liability as well. So, so do you know what you're doing? Are you practicing? What are you doing? How many transactions have you sold? How many listings do you have? Because big people, like actual really good clients, are going to ask these questions. Oh, yeah, definitely. And they can tell. They can sniff it out, definitely. Right when you show up, they're going to size you up in 10 seconds. 10 seconds. And the way that people show up, the way they're dressed, it's insane. They'll know immediately. Oh, yeah, totally. If you're legit and you know yeah. what you're doing. That's why you got to wear a suit and tie, make sure your shoes are shine, make sure that you look like a million bucks. That's your uniform. And then when you show up, then game time. Hi, you know, nice to meet you. I'm excited to get your home on the market and get it sold. Do you mind if I take a quick look around the home? Well, let me show you. No, I'm okay. I'll, I'll take a look at myself as a buyer through the buyer's eyes. Yeah. Why don't you sit over there? Then you take control. Yeah. So what's up? Oh, yeah, let me show you around. You're like, no, no, no. Yeah. Oh, no, you don't say that. You go, no, that's okay. Why don't you sit over there? Here's a packet. Why don't you take it? You already saw the contract. You saw my marketing plan. Okay, great. I'll be back in two minutes. And we do just do, do a walk around? Yeah, you just check it out. Condition of the home? Do they have carpet? You know, it's how's the paint? You know, what's the floor plan like? So how fast can you? You already, but you've already scoped out the property prior. To yeah, you you're, you're gonna see pr prior photos and all that. So yeah. yeah, and you've already comped it out prior to meeting with somebody. Yeah, but sometimes floor plan is it? You know, on a busy street? Do they have a backyard? You know, all that stuff goes. Yeah. So. And so what, how fast can you give somebody like a, a price on a house? And, and like, how's your pricing? So you just, you, are you so confident when you price out something? This market has been tough. Really? It's shifted big time. Yeah, so, fast. Yeah. So, you know, what's the condition? You know, is it on a busy street? Is it on a hill, flat lot? You know, I missed priced one by over a million bucks recently. Really? Yeah. So. What do you mean you missed? How do you mean you well, missed? One sold down the street for 4.8 about a month before. And then, uh, but it had similar lot and had wide open ocean views, but it wasn't really as usable as the one that I priced mm -hmm. down the street. But she had done hers over the top where it was so custom, beautiful, great art, et cetera, et cetera, beautiful home. But the people just didn't like it because it wasn't plain Jane. The other one was white, 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 white. And uh, it was a Frank Lloyd Wright style too so that's that's a big deal but ocean view is huge it's so what do you mean you, you price it too too uh, high yep the buyers wouldn't even buy so and so then what happened we had to price adjust price adjust price adjust that's it and hey. you got to move quick in this market because if you're going to chase it down then you're going to oh shit then you look a little desperate so we took it off the market she did a refi we're going to put it back on next week oh really yeah but price is everything that's all it Price is. is you know that. You'd sell. Yeah, Jeez, yeah, dude. Yeah. Price is everything. Yeah. So if you have a thing that's overpriced, it'll just sit there until you price it right. People know the value almost of everything. And that's where buyers will come and tell you exactly, you know, how a property's priced. If you're gonna get a lot of showings, you're gonna get offers, you're close. You might hit the market, but if it's, you know, overpriced, then it's gonna sit like stale milk. And how do you know how fast do you know if you've overpriced something? Seven to ten days. Seven to ten days of a listing, you know if you've overpriced it. Yep. How do you know? Uh, no showings, no calls. Brokers go in. They let you know basically like, hey, this, 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 you know, the floor plan sucks. You know, there's no view. You priced it here. You know, they'll tell you. Or they just don't show up. Oh, they just don't show yeah. up. Because they'll see the listing and they see the price and look, I'm not even bothered with this yep. one. Really? Yep. Wow. That's yeah. incredible. Well, that's, well, look at the market now. I mean, that's because now it's of, changing so fast. Yeah, a lot of homes basically will stay on the market. I mean, I think we're at a, I think it's nineteen hundred right here. This last week, or thirty days are over. We're at thirty days are over. Thir thirty days are over, and that's unsellable. 
they're going to have to do a price adjustment. So, are you saying that that's the average? Average days now is about thirty-three the, on to the sell to sell to sell. And and talk to me about not even what six months ago, you you had bidding wars in twenty-four hours, right? Eight days. Eight days. What's the average sale? That's insane, bro. At what point during this craziness in the last year did it, like, what was the fastest? Like, where where people were, you'd list a home and you'd have immediate offers on it, like, twenty within 24 hours. Uh, yeah. That was happening, probably, right? Probably 50% of my listings were. My fastest closing last year was three days. All cash, 160000 over list price. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. All right, so Carlos, let's wrap this up. I want everybody to really, you know, because you've been, again, I've said this earlier, you, you've been one of the most amazing guys in my life. You're just a great guy. You've, you've, you're just always calling, checking in. Is there anything I can do for you, JD? Uh, you're connecting me with people, sending referrals, of course. Always. But, you know, and if they really want good sleep, yeah. come try one of your beds. That's right. Definitely. Come it in. Changed our life. Try it out. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so, yeah, I mean, you're an ambassador because of your sleeping with well, it. You know what? I'm a connector. For, connector if yeah. I believe in something and I know value, definitely. And if if I see it and I feel it, I'm definitely going to connect you with somebody good. So what do you need? I, and I love that. Good I attorney? Do you need a trust advisor? Do you need a good window washer? You know, the guy today, he's amazing. You know, beds. Uh, what is it in San Diego? I'm born and raised. I know yeah. so many people that I refer so much business out to other people because yeah. they're good. Yeah, and this is this is why you and I have hit it off because I'm I've always – been very uh, proud of the fact that I'm a connector as well. Yep. Like, very I much love so. connecting you are. people. You very love much connecting so, yep. people. Yep. Like you got to meet this dude. You got to meet this person. Hey, I don't know what it is about the person, but you got to meet him. You yep. got to meet Carlos. Yep. I love it. All right. So Carlos, people listening and watching right now, I want people to, because you are, it, it, in my expert opinion of knowing a lot of people here in San Diego, I know hundreds of real estate people. Oh yeah. I'll put you. You could throw a rock and freaking hit one. Come yeah. On. Uh, you're in the top of the charts for me as far as reliability, you. accountability. Um, the, you know, you will never, ever, ever have to worry about, oh, am I going to get a hold of him right now? Is he going to call me back quickly? So tell people real quick, um, give me, give me the scenario of how they get a hold of you and the process that you do. Like, Hey, here's what's going to happen. If you want to sell your home, if you want to buy a home, Contact me on because I'm going to put your your credentials all over this sure. podcast. But tell people how it's going to go. Build their confidence as to what you do and how you do it. Like basically your your quick commercial here, real quick. Well, I'm going to end on this. Real estate market has probably made more millionaires than any other industry. It's true, and that's not being a real estate professional. It's being a buyer. You know, everybody that bought a home probably like five ten years ago, your home is probably worth a million bucks now. Right. So let me help you through the process and it's very litigious and it's very you know uh, marketing driven and professional you can never get a second opportunity you never get a second chance to make a first impression right so you have to come out with everything and that means that the professional like myself is going to have to list a property and that's mostly what i do um and marketing advertising exposure is huge so you want to get as much as you can right when that listing goes out so it'll be a short process. We'll meet for maybe 15 minutes. I'll go through it unless you have a lot of questions. And I'll show you step-by-step step what I will do to help you get the most amount of money for your home. Customer service is huge. Huge. So I have a team right behind me that will then take and hold your hand through the process and get everything done. We will do inspections on your home before we list it because we want to basically be right. transparent. Yep. We want to show everything up front. 
and let the buyers then choose, you know, do they want to come see the home? Do they want to write an offer on the home, et cetera, et cetera. As a buyer, shrewd negotiator, basically, uh, I, I love to negotiate, you know, the best opportunities for my buyers. And right now it's a great time to be buying. You don't have a lot of competition out there. Yeah. So, you know, are the prices coming way down? No, but it depends if, they're you know. They're coming down quite it, a bit. It, it depends where they start, though. Yeah. Are they realistic where they're starting? We're not in pricing six to eight months ago. So, you know, and those values were inflated. They were. So, or you're in kind of a normal market. So when you look at it that way, you know, we then get you the top lender that's going to get you the best deal. And if it's Jeanette, great. If it's not, she'll tell you, hey, you got a better deal Jeanette, over here. Jeanette's your wife. Yeah. You go use them if you can get a better deal. But, you know, is that a bait and switch or is that actually what they can do? That and, other you, lender. and you'll guide them on that. Oh, completely. Well, she's, she's the one that could tell them that. Anything lending, you talk to Jeanette. So and I just close it on everything. Basically, you're a one-stop shop. You can handle, because you're going to handle the real estate side. Uh, Jeanette's going to handle anything that deals with lending. Even exactly. And we're the one-stop shop where if you don't have the money, basically, to get the home prepared, is it the landscaping, is it the painting, yeah. uh, is it the electrical box, whatever, I will help front that to get it done so no you don't kidding. have to start putting money out of your Tell pocket. Tell me about that, dude. Well, That's huge. So what happens basically, a lot of people don't want to pull a lot of money out of their pocket to put into the home. Yeah. And I'm a big proponent for that. Don't spend a lot of money to get your home prepared, but do the other things because it's all about that first impression. Yeah. Curb appeal, paint, color, light, bright, open. Uh, I call it as plain Jane as you can go. That's yeah. what I call it. That's what people like. They can then see themselves living yeah. there. So if you have a lot of your personal items and things like that, people don't want that. So I will guide you through the whole process. Michelle and I will meet with you. She's my director of client success. And then we'll meet with you and we'll say, oh, we should probably get a stager in here. Oh, you need a house cleaner. Oh, you need someone to pods. You need uh, someone to help you, you know, uh, pack everything up. Do you, what do you need? We're that one-stop shop. And what do you mean you front it? What is that? So mean? basically, then I have my preferred vendors that will do all the work. And then basically, um, they'll just send me the bill and then we'll send the bill to escrow. So when escrow closes, then I'll be, uh, uh, I'll get the money back. Basically they'll, they'll send me a check for whatever I put into the property for the seller to get the home prepared That's crazy. or safety. A lot is, you know, electrical or is it a water leak or what is it? Those are the types of things you want to take care of at the very beginning before you get into escrow. And then, you know, they do their inspection and then there's a request for repairs. It could be a lot bigger and a deal killer could happen yeah. a lot. So we like to get that out of the way. Let's do our own inspections. Let's get the things that we can handle. And then we fully disclose that, hey, here's everything going on with the home. And this is what we've done to the home to get it prepared. Okay. So I'd like to be as front, upfront as possible. Yeah. Very transparent. So this is incredible. I didn't even know this was, this was a thing. So you're telling me somebody comes to you, here's what needs to be done. I don't have the extra, I have enough to put 5% down. I don't have any other cash to put into staging, fixing, nothing. You could say, all right, I got you. Right. Right? Yep. You use your vendors, put that into escrow yep. itself, right? All right. Um this is this is this is what you can do? Yep. Oh yeah. I do never it all heard the of time. This. Do it all the time. It's called customer service. It's called <laughs> Take care of them. And so what, what are like, what's the, the advantage of you guys as to all these, everybody that's, Oh, I got a friend who's a real estate. Oh, my, my cousin, my brother, interview them, interview them, yeah, interview tell them, me, tell them how to yep, get a second opinion and who's the best uh, person for you. And everybody knows in their gut. Oh God, dude. Yeah. Everybody knows. Right. They know. They're so smart, dude. Big time people. Know, and people know like who's the right person to go with. 
Exactly. You know, Cousin Sally that just got her license a month ago or Carlos nonstop. That's it. Right? All right, so let's finish with one thing. Give me one thing here. In your in your career, you're an animal. Give me one pearl that you can let everybody know right now, like in this world right now, because let's be frank, the world is upside down, right? It's it, been every, very interesting. It's been very interesting. Woke go, Wokeness has been become a major thing, and people right now are, are scared. What are we doing? Where are we going? Um Give them some inspiration on where, like, what to do right now if they're just like they're in fear, they're living in fear. What's my next move? I don't know what to do. What's carried you through your confidence, inspiration? Give them something here. Whew, where do they reach out first? They look for a community, they look for people to, like you said, get a coach, uh, YouTube, pretty, pretty wide open. Yeah, I know. Um, I like Tony Robbins a lot, yeah, and uh, he's pretty amazing. So if it sounds like you need to get out of fear yeah, and you need to look inside and are you living your full best life? That's the most important question. Are you? And if you're not, there's a lot of people out there to help you. A lot of people out there to help you. You You'll find it. Somebody at the gym uh, came up to me today and said, I um, like it. They didn't even, she saw my shirt said, you have a podcast? I said, yeah. She said, I'm, I got some stuff going on right now. I need I need my confidence back. I've been beat down. I had a bad relationship. I'm struggling and I sent her three podcast three interviews from this podcast. And now it's just that's why kind of why I brought this up. And it, and it, and it it's like like you just said, you know, find find yourself first, right? Well, they don't know where to look. They don't know where to go. Yeah. Because everybody, you know, we've been beaten down with so much fear in the last 2 years. Huge. It's Huge. all fear. All, all fear. fear. Right, people don't even know what to do or where to go, and well, it's, go go find help. Go get a coach. Go. Tony Robbins is awesome. I is. really like He's him incredible. a lot. Yeah. He's incredible. And you have to believe in yourself. You gotta. You get what you pay for. Number one thing is you 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 have to believe in yourself. Exactly. And you said it, Carlos. If you're not living the fulfilled life of your dreams right now, right? It's your fault. It's your fault. Yep. Because it's attainable for everybody. Exactly. Right. I do. This is. I love that. It's so simple. It, it will. It's so simple, but it's so hard because a lot of people don't want to do it. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're not living the life of your your fulfilled life of your dreams right now, which what's the percentage of people that are not living the life of their dreams of what who they were designed to be here, Carlos? Do they have goals written down? A lot of people don't. No. Do they have a dream board? Do they know what they want? A lot of people don't. Night, you just it. won the lottery and you won a billion dollars. What would be the first three things you'd do? And define it. Oh, I'm going to buy you know a house for my sister. I'm going to okay. How much? Uh, you know, be defined. Write detailed. it down. What do you want? Yeah, it's like be a, detailed. It's like a business plan. A lot of people don't have to do that as well. But what are you doing every day? What are you doing to be better? If you want to be better. Or right. do you just want to live life as life comes to you? Or do you want to go out and live it the way you want to live it? Or do you, do you want to just basically take up space? A lot of people do. Live mundane lives. Well, go through the motions. Right? A lot of people do. Yeah. It's sad. It is sad. Ladies and gentlemen, go get a coach. Find yourself. Find who you were designed to be. Because living your fulfilled, perfect life is possible. It's up to you. And you, we can say that, but give them ideas of what they can do 
to find it. Yep. So maybe add some links. You know, Tony Robbins. Yeah. Is I always think of him. Definitely, he's and a lot of people give him a bad rap. Like, oh, Tony Robbins. Tony's a ma- Tony's a beast. He's amazing. He's yeah. a. Beast. And you have to believe in yourself first, though, before you can believe in somebody else telling you the things to do. But he gives you a plan, though. He gives you a plan, detailed, a detailed plan on how to do it. Yep. He Big does. Time. You're absolutely. Every yeah. time I listen to that guy, I'm fired up. Yeah. And he's honest. He but it's honest. all about consistency, and he's always consistent. That's the thing. So Talk a lot of me. people hit. You, know, you know, you go to the gym all the time. You know, man. Nah, if you get once, that, well, hey, once if, in a while. But that, you know, when you do that, whatever you're going to do, and you practice and you do it consistently, whatever it's going to be, or your tennis, soccer player, handball player, racquetball, you're going to get better yeah. every day, and life gets a better, a lot more amazing because you become that much better. So the self confidence grows, as well as people notice that, and makes you feel better that way as well. And if it's in business, then you're going to do better, and then you're going to provide a better life for your family. You know, it's like consistency is number one, dude. You got to be consistently consistent no matter what you're doing, especially if you want to become better. Huge. Especially. Ladies and gentlemen, Carlos Gutierrez, for any real estate needs or even advice. Whatever it is, he reach will out. Gi- he will give you advice. If you mention the show, anything advice, he will point you in the right direction if he can't help you, which the odds of that are pretty, that he can't help you is pretty much zero. But uh, Carlos, this has been a pleasure, bro. I appreciate your time. I, I think the world of you. I appreciate you, your family, your wife, um, uh, little Bella, um, love you guys, man. Appreciate you coming on. It's been we an honor. love you. Thank you, man. And if you want to get better sleep, people out there, yes. come see JD. Real deal. deal. We love our bed. I yes. swear to God, I want to go lie on another one now. So yeah, let's, hey, let's throw another one in there. Why yeah, not? Come on, you man. just made two. I million. don't have. I don't. You have made two million dollars last year. You can afford it. Uh, taxes, man. Taxes. <laughs> Real deal talk, ladies and gentlemen. That's a wrap. Uh, Thank you.